Hi, I'm Mark and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Service Design Show podcast. And this is another podcast exclusive episode just for you. Let's talk about rituals. Rituals are all around us from the family Christmas dinner to writing in your daily gratitude journal. They can be very personal or community based. And rituals are an opportunity for you as a designer to make mundane activities meaningful. So in this episode, we're going to explore the topic of ritual design. You're going to learn about the difference between rituals, habits and routines. And here are some great and not so great examples of rituals. We'll also talk about the key principles and some best practices of ritual design and what you need to do to steer clear of the dark side of ritual design. Our guest in this episode is Adam Cochran. Adam has been exploring how designers can use rituals in their practice for a while and has a lot to share on this topic. If you stick around till the end, you'll have a much better understanding of the opportunities and limitations of rituals and how you can use them in your design practice to create meaningful interactions. This episode is very much inspired by the conversations we recently had in our Circle community. If you don't know, the Circle is a community for busy in-house service design professionals and all about sharing practical wisdom. It's a place where you can slow down and you reflect on your practice in order to grow as a professional. Something I found many in-house service designers struggle with when they are chasing to-do lists and live by the moment. So if you're an in-house service designer who wants to connect and learn from other peers, consider joining the circle. For all the details on how you can apply, head over to servicedesignshow.com circle. You'll also find a link to that in the show notes. That almost wraps it up for the intro. And the only thing left for me to say is, let the show begin. Welcome to the show, Adam. Welcome. It's good to be here. Very good to have. Yeah, good to have you. Uh, we recently did a circle session on a very interesting topic that um, I really enjoyed a lot, and we'll dive deep into that topic in this episode. But before we do that, uh, you haven't been on the Service Design Show yet, so this is your debut. <laughs> mm -hmm. And some people might not know who you are, um, so it would be awesome if you could give a 30-second introduction. Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Adam B. Cochran, and I am a senior product designer at Zalando. And I am also the co-host of Service Design Drinks in Berlin where I had the pleasure to uh, be a guest. So thank you for inviting me there. You've also been uh, one of the campers who participated in the campfire for in-house service designers. And as a consequence of that, uh, I invited you into our circle for in-house service designers to host a session. And as it goes with these things, I leave the topic open and you came up with an amazing topic of yeah, a ritual design, I guess. Uh, I'm diving into it a little bit myself, and it's a very excited, uh, I guess, um, part of service design as a whole, but it looks at how we can make experiences uh, more meaningful, I would say, for how we work and those also for who we design for as well. Mm, ritual design. Uh, mm. Wasn't a topic that was high on my uh, radar. Uh, high on my radar? I'm not sure if that's correct, yeah. but... Uh, uh, I definitely learned a lot. So 
we'll dive into what is ritual design, how you can use it in your work, whether you're in-house or not in-house, uh, how does it apply to service design. Um, but there's one thing I'd like to get out of the way first, and that's um, the semantic discussion of rituals, habits, routines, because that will be the question on everybody's mind uh, if we don't address this uh, as soon as we can. So enlighten us, Adam. Yeah, that is definitely the question that comes up first. What's the difference between a routine or a ritual or a, a process or anything like this? And I would say a, a ritual is something that is a repeatable process of steps, much like a routine or a habit, but it embodies and uh, encompasses a lot of the intangible meaning, uh, has some significance and has some sort of a higher purpose connection there. So a uh, routine, I would say, is very functional, whereas a ritual can actually go beyond the functional and maybe into the, uh, I don't know, sure, even spiritual, one might say. But mm. connecting us to that higher purpose. Yeah. Maybe we can give some examples. So what are good what what do you consider good rituals? Good examples of rituals. And I'm I'm assuming that there are some uh rituals that we all know, but there are definitely also personal rituals. Yeah, sure. I mean a ritual can be done by the individual, can also be done in groups. Um from my personal experience, I had uh I grew up in a religious organization, so a lot of those rituals in terms of uh, Christmas and Easter come to my mind as really good rituals, but even uh, saying grace at the start of a meal uh, made the meal so much more appreciative. And I think that's the the power of rituals. Uh, work rituals can be as simple as, you know, saying what are we excited for or thankful for this week. So a stand-up then becomes a, a moment of reflection and anticipation. I would say acknowledgement, uh, anything to do with this. So it could just be not just a promotion, but you know, uh, an acknowledgement within the the, the team. Um, but then going even beyond that for the products that we create for others, I think uh, a ritual of the onboarding experience, and I have to refer to, of course, Apple or any of the smartphone companies, but even smaller things like uh, the flying unicorn that recently got introduced into Asana it can be meaningful and creative rituals that you develop for the products. Um, my favorite ritual overall is, of course, the coffee chats. I was a barista growing up as well, and I love making coffee and uh, a coffee talk or a coffee chat, uh, having that single coffee machine to bring people together to connect, not just get coffee, but also connect with each other is a, a ritual that I really, really love. I think after hearing this episode, people will start seeing rituals uh, everywhere popping up. Um, let's uh, let's fast forward to sort of the end of the episode. If uh, yeah. we've gotten so far with uh, the listeners here, we've managed to capture their attention for five minutes. Adam, what's in store? Why should they continue listening till the end of the episode? What is the opportunity or promise of ritual design? Yeah, I think ritual design, one thing I'd love to impart into the listeners is that they become more consciousness, uh, more conscious of rituals and how they affect uh, the people that they work with and how they affect the products and their customers. And I think what they can expect to learn, I guess, from rituals is that the consciousness and uh, the realization that rituals have a really big impact in their day-to-day -day life and work routines. And I think from that, uh, they can also expect 
well, at least what I would love to see from them and hear from them uh, and, and get them thinking about is how those rituals can create an inclusive environment, can bring people together through community, um, but also can have a lot more meaning to their daily lives and build up that motivation as well. Well, that's yeah. a big promise. Let's uh, let's see <laughs> let's how see. far we get. Yeah. So yeah. you mentioned already something about growing up in a religious environment. Uh, I'm curious mm -hmm. if you could share uh, a bit of your story, how you got to the point where you got interested in ritual design. Yeah, I have to say it came from a little bit of like a disenfranchisement with the way that I was working in the companies that I was working for, I missed a little bit of the belonging and significance that I had felt growing up in these uh, religious communities. So I grew up as a, as a Pentecostal Christian. And within this organization, within this group, I felt really uh, connected. I felt acknowledged and I felt like I was developing beyond just uh, an individual, but, but as part of the community. And when I reflect upon these times, uh, very, very significant times through my teenage years and through even to some of my adult years, um, I realized that it was all based upon rituals. So whether that be the greeters at the door when you walk in on Sunday, that everyone knows you, sharing food and meals, uh, the process of being baptized. Um, a lot of these rituals were really great in terms of recognizing and giving acknowledgement to the, to the individual. And I think when I reflect upon those times, I was very, very heavily impacted by the, the youth camps that we did and also a lot of these um smaller day-to-day -day interactions that I'd have with that weren't like super drastic, but even saying grace, like I mentioned before, and being thankful for the food and the, the meals that you were getting was really, really fantastic. And one thing that I would reference to here is Ellen Debaton from School of Life does a really good Atheism 2.0 talk about this, about these ritualizations and processes, just how they connect with us as human beings. And for me growing up, it wasn't until I moved on, obviously, and that I started to reflect about, you know, what was good about these things and how that uh, affected me. Um, and yeah, I have to say that I saw the parallels where one community was very connected, very um, intertwined, and uh, I felt acknowledged as a human to actually then coming to a workplace and doing what I loved and wanting to have great impact on the customers and wanting to really uh, connect and belong with my employees. And then I felt really like I was a, a little bit like an autonomous robot a little bit. And it was just all about the, you know, the functions and how much more could we get out of it and how, you know, uh, quickly could we work and uh, these kind of things, you know, could we make this meeting even more streamlined? And, and I think I lost a little bit of that human connection when I started to work in the real world and I was a, a little bit uh, stuck and I wanted to bring that more human side that I experienced from my religious community to the, yeah, I would say to the working world and something that I cared really deeply about, which is how we design and who we're designing for. Yeah. So um, I see a lot of um, like the, the previous circle episode was on community building and service design communities. I see rituals mm -hmm. very strongly intertwined with communities and group building and belonging, like you mentioned. Um, now, you mentioned something about being sort of feeling part of your work, feeling part of that group. Uh, have you also pulled ritual design into uh, like the actual design aspect for our end users or have you focused primarily on like the work environment? 
Um, I would say predominantly from this point on, like uh, from what I've done so far is mostly within the work environment. So how we design for others. Um, yep. I would like to see it more expanding into who we're designing for and how to impact them. Previously, I had had a couple of examples where I was uh, working with Factory Berlin here in Berlin, building up a community of entrepreneurs. And one experience that we had there was really to, I guess, build in this amazing onboarding uh, community uh, and, and spirit, but also curate, not curate on financial things or, you know, how much the cost of the space is, but actually curate on their purpose, which was very really important to us. We didn't want to create a community full of, you know, rich and privileged people, but we wanted to have uh, a fair opportunity for all entrepreneurial people because we believe that ideas and entrepreneurs come from a whole variety of different backgrounds. So we created a, a curation process that was, I guess, connecting with that higher meaning and purpose of the community. And then when people were accepted on certain purpose criteria, then we were able to really like uh, make an onboarding experience that made them feel welcome, connected them really well with people that they wanted to uh, connect with, but then also helped them develop and gave them acknowledgement as individuals. So we did actually create this and I have done it, uh, have done certain rituals within these communities, uh, but predominantly it's about how we work, I think, uh, as a starting point. Now, hmm. now um in our circle conversation with the people who were there, one of the um, concerns or uh, highlights that was mentioned, like um, rituals are there to uh, strengthen the bond uh, between mm -hmm. people. Um, but that also means that they could exclude uh, other people. And yeah. as a designer, you have a quite big responsibility there. Um, What's your take on this? Yeah, I, I, I love that question. I think it was also quite challenging and I have to 100% agree. I mean, it's our responsibility as designers, at least from my point of view, that we are inclusive and we are bringing in the many points of view. Um, and one of those intangible ways that we say if you are accepted into the group or not accepted into the group is through rituals, actually. So one of the great examples that I like to bring up, if you're a company that has a Friday night beers, and I love a Friday night beer, I love celebrating the week, I love, you know, uh, relaxing and finally disengaging for the weekend and uh, kind of debriefing, decompressing, and I do love this ritual, but it needs to be done with a certain level of consciousness. And so if you think about maybe uh, young parents, uh, people who can't stay after work late, who have uh, caring obligations or have other commitments, or people who just don't drink for whatever reason. If you base solely the celebration of the week in this uh, drinking ritual, uh, then you're also excluding them. So intangibly and, and kind of like very under the radar, you're telling them, hey, look, we, we like what you do, but you're actually not accepted into this community because you can't partake in this ritual. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a real responsibility. And that's what I say, like, you really need to be conscious of the rituals that you have because the rituals you have kind of dictate who belongs to this community that you're in and who and how you can work better together. So, yeah. And, and, uh, and that's, I think, what the role is of design, that you have to make these choices consciously. And I think that was your yeah. uh, one of your arguments in the circle that if you don't do it consciously, like... You will exclude people uh, on a by coincidence, and uh, sometimes excluding people is exactly the thing you want because you'll strengthen the bond between others. But if you exclude people 
because you didn't think about it like yeah. by accident, then uh, yeah, messy stuff happens. Yeah, and one great quote that, um, that I that I heard was like, if you don't design, you default. And I think that's a really, really important uh, point because a lot of the traditions and traditional rituals that we have kind of uh, come from wherever they were. You know, that's the way we always did it is this kind of uh, way that people explain these away. And I'd have to say like, that's really, really important to highlight that a lot of the rituals we have are kind of defaulted from how we learn to work or how we learned to design for others. And uh, we need to start being conscious a little bit more of the rituals that we have in the workplace to enable a more inclusive, uh, yeah, belonging. And and this is uh, also like, and we'll get into uh, some uh, uh, key principles and best practices on how to actually design rituals in a second. But uh, one other concern that was raised is... Um, rituals uh, can become rigid like you said this is always mm -hmm. the way we've done it like they they might uh, prohibit um, an open mind uh, openness for change um, like do you see those things being mutually exclusive like are rituals um, the contrary of being open for change or can rituals be a catalyst for change maybe I, yeah, I wouldn't see why. It's a good question, actually, and let me think about it a little bit, but I wouldn't see why rituals can't be a place where you can actually show the change and, and bring people open. I think what's important for making, making rituals stick in this kind of way, when you are being conscious and you want to bring new rituals or reflect upon the rituals you have in your organization, I think it's uh, really important to reflect on why you're doing a certain ritual and how clearly you're communicating that. A lot of rituals that I would say cause damage or don't work uh, for the community is because it's unclear why we're doing this ritual. Can you what give an example? Purpose? Yeah, um, yeah, I can try. Um, that's a really good question. Um, one thing that comes to my mind is if you're doing like a, um, let's say, one great ritual that I have uh, that I've experienced is a, a book birth birthday buying book. And it was very unclear why everyone would just get a book for the birthday. And uh, one thing that they tried to encompass in this or why people would thought this was important was because we really valued the input from all different uh, sides of the organization and to also to acknowledge the individual and the, and the ideas and the learning that they bring that, to the community. And so it was very unclear why we had this ritual or why it was always existing in this way. I mean, why does everyone get one present? Why do you choose your own present? This kind of thing. But one thing, what happened was when we became clear on how this actually impacts the rest of the organization in terms of learning what other people are interested in, in terms of updating the, the library that we had, in terms of increasing that knowledge and actually giving a gift of knowledge was really important. And so by clearly defining and giving the space to explain the thinking uh, behind this ritual and to explain the purpose was was really important. Another one might be just simply doing the stand-ups. You know, why are we doing the stand-ups? So everyone knows what we're working on, but maybe also adding into, you know, uh, a moment of thankfulness uh, can also kind of clearly put that you in the better mindset as well. Why do we do retrospectives, et cetera, et cetera? The list goes on, I would yeah. say. Yeah, yeah and, and this is already uh, like a very nice transition into uh, talking about some key principles of designing rituals and what you mentioned, like making it explicit. 
why this ritual exists, why you're doing uh, the thing you're doing is really helpful. Like I'm, I'm doing certain uh, type of meditation and within that meditation practice, once in a while, it sort of is repeated. Think about, reflect upon why you're doing this. And, yeah. and, and, and I think that helps you to stay away from the habitual thing that uh, I, I have written down here, the soul less <laughs> form of rituals versus the soulful yeah. uh, rituals where you sort of remind yourself, okay, I'm doing this with a certain, with a certain goal in mind. And I think that's, that's really a helpful principle. Do you have some other principles that could be helpful for people listening and are thinking about designing rituals? Yeah, I think there's like, um, I think there's a basic uh, thing of what makes a good ritual. Um, I think the rituals should be clear. Uh, what increases their chances of success is that they're clear. I would say the another th important part is they go past the functional. So they go a little bit beyond just what's already existing or like, you know, I need to clean, I'm going to do this. Um, and are a little bit symbolic, a little bit um, exciting and engaging. And they're also done with intent. And when we talked to the community uh, in terms of Zalando's community, I think we're about 150 uh, product people from, you know, design, content, uh, strategists and uh, user research uh, peeps. And I think what we really found there is that really the good rituals for our community was one that they acknowledged people that were in the community. So they celebrated its success. They also connected with each other, not just in terms of, okay, what is everyone else working on, but who is everyone else, you know, a little bit further beyond in terms of who are they, uh, what are they struggling with? What are, the, what are the things we can celebrate together? And then thirdly, I think what we also found was that everyone wanted to have rituals that help them develop as individuals and also as the community in general. So they wanted to learn new things. They wanted to be inspired by different things that were going on. They wanted to skill up and be promoted in this kind of way. But I think those three key aspects were what we found really worked for our community. Another one that I always get kind of questioned about when people are trying to become more conscious of rituals and how they can create better rituals for their community is also doing what works. So we also killed a lot of our rituals that were, were ongoing, especially when we transitioned into, I would say, working remote and, you know, working from the home office. And then also now in the hybrid kind of work modus, we also are continually developing those ones. So we're trying to find rituals that worked. Some rituals uh, we created, we tried them out for a little bit. They didn't work. We stopped them. We transformed them into a different format. We kind of took why we were doing that and kind of measured it and see if it was successful. And I think that's a really key success of what a really good ritual is, is that it really kind of, um, I would say, celebrates and is just as unique as the community that's it, that it's in. Um, so maybe some rituals can translate quite easily from an from one agency to another or from one in-house design group to another, but maybe uh, rituals can also celebrate what makes them different and unique as well. Uh, and, and this is, uh, again, the thing I feel makes like there, there is a very, there's a gray area between rituals and habits, like rituals can slide into becoming um, habits, which isn't, a bad thing per se, but as long as it's sort of conscious and being mm. aware that, uh, okay, it's it's now becoming something which is maybe serving its purpose in a very functional way, but it's not, like you said, it's not helping us to grow or it's not 
adding to uh, connecting each other, which still might be a very uh, helpful habit. Uh, but the other purposes of rituals, uh, when when you sort of lose sight of them, uh, it's maybe either time to think of other rituals or say, okay, we're just going to continue doing this as a habit uh, for for hygiene reasons, uh, let's say. Now, yeah. <clears throat> if somebody would like to start thinking and designing uh, rituals, do you have a like a step one, two, three plan? How, how do you start? Yeah, well, one thing would be informed. Step one, inform yourself about what rituals are, how they impact and how to, how to uh, create them. Um, I have to give like a lot of like great reference to uh, Korzak and Margaret who run this ritual design lab in uh, at Stanford and they do have two amazing books, one called Rituals for Work and the other one Rituals for Virtual Meetings. And they're both fantastically engaging books uh, to get started. So one, inform yourself, I think would be the first step. Um, one, also inform yourself about the rituals that you already have that already exist within your community or within the products you create. Um, to reflect on where, you know, kind of do a, like, um, I would say an assessment maybe, uh, of if this rituals are working for the community or they're working against the community. And when I say that, I mean, are they really connecting to the principles and values that you uphold in the community or that you want to represent? Are they kind of like inclusive? Are they including the right people? Are they giving enough expression to the different, uh, you know, different people that belong to your community. So uh, two would be an assessment and three would be start small, but start anyway. So three is if, you know, one challenge that I find in this third step is that people kind of want to revamp and do a complete redesign of all the rituals that they have. So maybe they want to throw out all of the weekly, weekly meetings or the yearly meetings or whatever. Um, they want to like plan out a whole year and they want to like completely revamp it. And one thing I would say is just start small, start with one ritual and change it gradually and change it over time. Hmm. Again, reflecting on that, doing what works. So whether it just be adding a small tweak to existing meetings, whether it be stopping a meeting uh, or, or, or routine that you're doing, or whether it be creating something small that you do every day with a small group of people, because once that routine and ritual Sorry, once that ritual catches on, it'll start to spread out to other uh, people that are in your influence as well. The the final thing, uh, thanks for sharing these three steps. Uh, yeah. Please rewind five minutes and then uh, make notes of the last five minutes because they were super helpful. Um, the book you mentioned about rituals for virtual meetings, um, if I'm getting the title correctly, I, I love that book, really good book. Uh, like, a lot of examples of small rituals that you can do. And one example that I can add just to show how simple this can be um, is a ritual of saying goodbye on Zoom meetings, on virtual meetings. Mm. I took this from the book and like there is the routine habit or the routine act of um, ending a meeting. Like like you press the end, end, end meeting button, end call button, and then it's over. And that's, for instance, a moment that you can actually uh, use and grab and turn that into a very small ritual. So nowadays, when I host uh, a group session on Zoom, we have a, a end meeting New Year's Eve countdown ritual where we do a, a, a countdown together, which always ends up in chaos. But it's it's something different. It connects the group. People who are part of the circle and the campfire know this by now and know that 
hey, this is this is what we do as a group. So taking something as small as ending a Zoom call, you could already turn that into a more fun, more connecting, more meaningful activity, more intentful. Yeah, for sure. And I love that it also like celebrates the end of the meeting as well. When I partook in it as well, it was also a fun celebration of the time we had spent together. So that was really, was a nice ritual. Is. <laughs> it still is for as long as still it's uh, effective. Uh, <laughs> now, I'm, you've been thinking about this for quite a while, at least much longer than I've been. What are some of the things looking back that you feel, ah, oh, gosh, I wish I've done that at the start or I wish I knew that at the start of uh, figuring out what ritual design is? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think when I first became aware of rituals um, and and how it was affecting how I worked and who I was working with and and how it either brought us together or didn't bring us together very well. I remember hosting team exchanges for, for the entire agency that I used to work at. Um, and this was across two locations. Um, I think what one thing that I would really have loved to like um, learn earlier is the, the power of experimentation in rituals. So like not doing always the same thing again and again. If it's not working, move on, change it, try something else. Um, and this one was like a really uh, clear one for me when it came to like this all hands uh, sharing, because one thing that I realized was that people weren't always having the time to put in content, to share things, to kind of like express what was going on um, and changing and pivoting to make this format more interesting and more exciting and also thinking about how people filled in the content made the uh, all hands or what we called it back then team exchange much more exciting and much more interesting for people to engage with. And of course, once you had them engaging better and once there was a more systematic way of producing content, the ritual became so much more loved by everyone. And one great thing about like these rituals is, you know, if you you know you've done a good job with the rituals if someone says like oh no we totally miss you there or we totally miss this ritual i always loved doing this xyz i mean it's a little bit uh past the point and a little bit hard to go back in time but yeah learning to experiment within rituals was like something that i would have loved to have started a lot earlier and not try and get it right on the first time which saying that to a bunch of designers should be obvious but sometimes it isn't as well yeah yeah, yeah. You, you and I recognize this, you uh, can get pretty hang up on an idea around the ritual and, and consider it to be sacred and uh, yeah. uh, not letting go, uh, not willing to let go of it. And I like what the question that was on my mind was like, how do you gauge success? How do you know if a ritual is actually contributing to the thing um, you want to contribute to? And I like what you mentioned about will it be missed when it's gone? Yeah. Like, yeah. I think that's a very simple uh, way of measuring success. If if I stop doing the New Year's Eve uh, and Zoom call uh, countdown ritual, will it be missed or will people be relieved that it's gone? I think that's, that's <laughs> a pretty uh, good way of measuring success. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think that is a, a really good uh, way of measuring it. I mean, it's a little bit after the fact. And obviously, throughout the rituals, you can see and measure engagement, if people are feeling a, a sense of uh, comfort, or if people are enjoying it, or understand the purpose. I mean, even asking why we do these rituals to people, or why are we gathered here, setting up the purpose in a, in a right way is really good practice for, for rituals, as well as workshops. 
Um, and I think that's something that can make rituals a lot more uh, clear if they're successful or if they're working. Um, really good practice. What are some things uh, that you have questions about? What are things that you are exploring right now? What are you curious about with regards to this topic, obviously? Yeah, I mean, for, for me, I want to take it a little bit beyond just how we're working together as designers. And I think rituals um, are, are pretty strong there. And I think designers are can be quite conscious of the rituals that they have, at least in maybe in their product teams or in their in-house teams. And um, for me, what questions uh, that I have around ritual design is how can we make these rituals for the people that we're designing with? You know, how can we make rituals uh, in the daily work life to make them a little bit more interesting instead of just thinking about customers and maybe their jobs to be done, which is very clear and very precise and functional. But how can we address these higher level needs uh, with ritual design? So whether it be the sense of belonging for their community, whether it be a, a sense of, you know, connecting beyond your bubble, uh, whether it be a sense of, you know, I think what's really powerful is if we were able to turn travel into things like a pilgrimage, you know, how do you get this bigger sense of the meaning of travel, not just going functionally from A to B where I get my ticket and I get on the train, but how can we make it an experience? And I think that also goes for, for clothing or for, uh, for eating, you know, how can we make things like Thanksgiving uh, that's so significant just come from your food, you know, you know, we order this food online and it's like, yay, we get the food, we eat it there on the couch and we don't really do much. But how can we make it a bit more of a, a celebration or a moment to be thankful? Or how can we embed some of these uh, deeper meanings? Um, and then one last thing, which comes back to those three principles that I shared is develop. How can we also develop the customers that we're designing for uh, through rituals? Like, how can we teach them a little bit more? How can we share why we're doing something? Um and I have to say, I refer to Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why here as well, because people buy into the why, but they also use the product for the why. And if that why is coming through the process of using your product or the service you're creating for people, then I think how much more important and significant would these uh, services be and how much more helpful would they be if it was clear, you know, the rituals that they kind of do within your services. Yeah, maybe this gets a little bit meta, but I start to dive further and further into it. And it becomes really exciting to see how rituals can actually like make moments meaningful and make experiences meaningful and what power that has for our users, I would say. I like, again, uh, this is a topic I think that's super interesting and super valuable, especially from a service design perspective. Uh, I, I feel that we're, um, we sometimes get into the business of making services uh, very functional and they of course they should work right if you if you need to take the train ride the train should be on time and it should be clean and like all those things matter and uh, we're not saying here that we should replace that or forget about that but um, I think we as a design community are in a very good place to to address the higher level topics as you mentioned like how do you turn a travel uh, or a journey into a, a pilgrimage? And I don't think you're saying that we need, that every train ride to your work needs to be a, a pilgrimage. Uh, <laughs> that's true. Right? That's yep. that's that's not the point here, but um, at least we have the opportunity to think about how we can cater for those higher needs and make yeah, make those experiences, make, make daily life maybe a, a bit more fun, uh, valuable, memorable, yeah, and I think I think on the on the commute thing, I mean, it doesn't have to be a ritual, but I think what might even help people, you know, 
if they have two options to get from A to B and one is driving and, and being in the, you know, the car, being in the car and adding to congestion, but then how could we make the train ride a bit more significant and maybe rituals could help with that? Could this train ride be a time to decompress, read a book, learn something, you know, this kind of thing? Could it be celebrated and be part of the actual travel to make these alternative modes of travel more exciting and enticing? Um, in terms of hey, a commute just isn't a time to get from A to B, but it's also a time to learn something or to appreciate something or take a breath. And I think that's where we could start to really kind of like get a winning edge on creating better services as well. I think Ted Matthews uh, is, a, is a fantastic designer from uh, Norway, and he also did something like this uh for a football club and also brought in this whole ritual, you know, Norwegian mythology and like was able to really promote this brand and attachment and belonging. And if you think about a football club, I mean, you go there, you watch sport, it's competition, but ritual design was able to make it such a, such a bigger sense of belonging and, uh, you know, this kind of uh, more intent kind of uh, football watching experience, which was really, really fantastic. And and this yeah. will be and this is I feel a sort of call to action to everybody who's listening. Um, think about where you see opportunities in your work as a service designer to make lives of your customers, maybe your your colleagues, uh, more fun, more meaningful, uh, um, without overdoing it. Like not when not everything has to be ritualized, or but rituals can make. Um, a day more enjoyable. That's at least what I'm taking away uh, from this. Now, Adam, uh, sort of heading towards the end of this conversation, um, we had a conversation with 10 in-house service designers, more or less 10. Um, yep. What was your biggest takeaway from the conversation in the circle? Well, one thing I have to say was it was just really fun uh, to be a part of such engaged uh, in-house designers and so many talented people from different experiences so one thing I, I really enjoyed the crowd and i really enjoyed the the connection between uh everyone there and i thought that was a really amazing thing i can see how the community and the rituals that you create also for this uh really helps build in a sense of belonging and psychological safety and place to openly discuss and debate uh many many great ideas um for me the the, the one of the bigger takeaways was also just how um people are already engaging in this topic and how people are already thinking about it and um a little bit of like oh okay when does it become too awkward or when does it not become um you know like overdone what is the right balance here how do we make this you know how do we control or how do we show up in this responsible manner to include the different people that are in our communities uh, as to not overwhelm them or to you know to push them away but how can we also include them. And I think some of those questions there uh, in terms of, okay, does everything have to be ritualized? Does everything have to be, you know, super full of meaning and awareness and intent? And does everything have to be a ceremony? But where is the right balance to take a service or a routine that has become habitual, that has become, you know, this kind of designing by default? Um, and where can we actually make it something that is fit for purpose? And I think that kind of like, questions of of our services and our surroundings uh was really good and also just the the engagement level of okay let's do something about this or mm, i never thought about this before but yeah it's a really important point um and also what can rituals do in terms of uh changing 
corporate culture and and the culture that we work in i thought was also really interesting so what are the best ways where we can enact change uh through ritual design and i hadn't really thought about that too much actually using ritual design as a sort of kind of activistic tool uh which was very really exciting hmm. yeah cool uh and uh, I recognize a lot of things that you mentioned about this community. I feel that the circle has sort of emerged uh, almost by itself from the service design community as a place to, um, as a safe space to do some critical thinking, to have some proper dialogue, because I think we're sort of bombarded with information. We learn a lot, we, we read a lot, uh, but there's often so little time to actually um, critique things, think it through even if it's just for two hours in a month like most people don't give themselves that opportunity to to i wouldn't say it's it's uh, it's not sitting back it's it's the opposite of that it's actually actively engaging in in uh, critical thinking and uh, constructive dialogue so i'm happy that you also experienced it uh, in that manner yeah yeah it was really fun <laughs> adam um, yes. If people want to learn more about this or maybe reach out to you uh, with regards to this topic, what's the best way to reach out and what are some helpful resources? Yeah, um, I have plenty of helpful resources. I wouldn't want to go through and mention them all, but uh, I have a talk coming up at the Push UX conference uh, in the end of October. Uh, but if you want to reach out to me personally, you can also just jump on my website, adambcochran.com. Or you can follow me on Instagram, Adam B. Cochran. Uh, it's the same tag for everywhere. Um, there is a few talks already online, uh, one specifically on the Service Design Drinks Berlin website uh, around ritual design, where also your talk is featured. Um, there are plenty of places to connect and network uh, to discuss more around ritual design. Yeah. To be continued. Uh, Adam, thank you for sharing this with the Service Design Show community. I hope more people will be uh, more conscious of designing great rituals. So thank you again for coming on and uh, sharing this with us. An absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for all the great work you do in the Service Design community. Really, really appreciate it. Awesome that you've made it all the way to the end of this conversation. I really hope you enjoyed it and learned something new. If you're an in-house service designer and would like to be part of these conversations in the future, consider joining The Circle. In The Circle, you can connect with and learn from other in-house service design professionals. To see which topics we'll cover in the upcoming Circle sessions and learn how you can apply, head over to servicedesignshow.com slash circle. The link is also in the show notes of this episode. Thanks again for listening to the Service Design Show. It was great having you. Keep making a positive impact and I'll catch you in the next episode.